Welcome back, and thanks again for tuning in to Beyond the Hardwood, hosted by Deontay Ferguson, also known as Coach Fergo. Today's episode, I'll feature Tyler Ruff, NBA skills trainer based out of Dallas, Texas, and if you know T. Ruff, then you know he is arguably one of the best basketball trainers in the world. His love and passion for the game allows him to pour into his guys like none other, and the relationships he has made along his journey have become something that goes beyond basketball. He also, during this time, has used his platform like no other trainer that I've seen to seek action for the injustices going on in our country still today. So stay tuned as I tap in with T-Ruff coming up next. T. Ruff, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? How are you? Man, all is well. How's everything down there in Dallas? Uh, I mean, it's been better, but hey, man, you know, 2020 will be a good year when it's all said and done, I think. So, um, I, you know, I can't complain. I was about to say, we about to go into the second half now, man. Shoot, we... We we can't have as bad as the first half as uh excuse me, we can't have as bad as the second half as that first half was. Yeah, yeah, you you'd hope not, but hey man, I think it's been it's open eyes to a lot of people with everything that's going on. So Right, um, right. You know, God's got his reasons. Right, definitely. Definitely one of them halves that we needed to wake back up. So Absolutely. <laughs> so man, I appreciate you coming on and uh Man, let's go ahead and get right into it, man. So let's kind of talk about you to start it off. So you're originally from New York, right? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Rochester, New York, which is it was upstate New York between, like, uh, Syracuse and Buffalo. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, and, and you know, because when I was doing a little bit of research, I seen, you know, Rochester, I seen Hamilton. I was like, shoot, I'm, I'm going to just wait till I get on here and ask my man where he – actually from <laughs> yeah i was born i was born in hamilton which is which is where colgate is because uh my pop um was the football coach at colgate um so when i was born he was uh i think he was the offensive coordinator at colgate so when i was born i was in hamilton um okay and then we lived there for a couple years and then uh he stopped coaching um and then we moved to rochester after that okay and then, how was it growing up in New York, man? <laughs> man, I love New York, man. I, you know, I, I think if you're from New York, you know, we 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 have a lot of pride in our state. Right. Um, you know, especially if you're a hooper, um, man. But I I love New York. Uh, my family still lives out there. Uh, most of all, my family, cousins, everything live out there. So, man, I love New York. Um, I don't get to go home as much as I wish, but uh, man, it's a great place. I, I enjoyed it, and and you know back when I played, you know hooping was was New York was it. So uh, right, you know it was cool, man. Man, that's big time. And shoot, as we move forward, your resume speaks for itself, man. I mean, you uh two time Greater Rochester Player of the Year and Mister Basketball in New York your senior year and won a state championship and. Kind of talk about, you know, that process because, I mean, you was getting recruited by some, you know, big-time schools, and uh, and then you ended up going to West Virginia out the gate. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I was one of those kids when I was young, man. I came from a competitive family. My, you know, 
a lot of people know my pops just because um, all the stuff he did, you know, in the community and, and um, you know, coaching youth sports. So, um, you know, he played college football, um, is in the Hall of Fame um, at Colgate and stuff like that. But, like, not a lot of people know my mother actually played in the women's first uh, professional basketball league. Um, okay. You know, and then she's in the Hall of Fame also in college. And, uh, you know, so I came from a very competitive family. Um, so right out the gate, man, when I was a little kid, you know, I I didn't know anything else but to be a competitor. Um, right. You know, my pops kind of paved the way for showing what hard work was. So for me, man, I, it was easy. I just had to watch. Um, right. You know, and that's, you know, that was the easiest thing for me. But, um yeah, man, I, I uh, man, I'm, I'm blessed, man. I, I had a dad that was very involved um, in my youth. He, uh, he pushed me, uh, you know, when I said I wanted to play in the NBA as a sixth grader, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll never forget. We sat at the couch and he said, are you sure? And I said, I'm sure. <laughs> and man, <laughs> yo, I tell you what, I tell you what, that next week, I wasn't sure anymore. Um <laughs> You know, but like you know, I took it, man, and and uh, and he just pushed me and pushed me, and then uh, and then I kind of just figured it out on my own. I, I blossomed young. Uh, you know, I was five eleven as a as a seventh grader, so you know my confidence was always high right. because I was I was skilled. You know, I was five eleven, so I was bigger than a lot of kids. Um, you know, and I was just. I was, you know, I was, I was getting sixties and seventies, you know, as a sixth, seventh grader, um, you know, in my city right. and, you know, so the blossoming early helped, you know, as you can see, I, I you know, grew maybe one more inch, um, the rest <laughs> of my life, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I you know, I, I played varsity in eighth grade. And, and, you know, I just had a lot of confidence builders growing up. And I think right. that's a lot of what had to do with my success is, is, um, is confidence. Right. Um, and I knew I worked harder than everybody, um, you know, but as an eighth grader playing varsity, you know, you come back as a freshman, you know, you, you think you belong right away. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, this is, you know, this is my squad now. Right. right. Um, you know, and we were four and, I think we were four and seventeen my eighth grade year, and um, and I was just like I never lost before, so I was like, "What? Like I can't? I'm not doing this anymore." Um, and I kind of took I was captain as a freshman just because, you know, I I didn't want to lose, right? Um, and people kind of took it as a joke, and I was just I was just a fiery competitor as a young kid, um, you know, and it was weird we had. I went to McQuaid Jesuit, which is all boys, um, mm-hmm. private school, but it was the juggernaut back then of, of high school basketball, um, right. in our area, you know, state championships and all that. And, uh, the guys that we, so I had four guys I grew up playing with and we were all from the same town. So we would all went to the same public school and I convinced all of them to go to, uh, McQuaid. And, mm. um, and we grew up together and right. that's kind of how we became so good in high school. We weren't more talented than everybody. Um, but we knew how to play. Right. Um, right. and we knew how to win 
and we knew how to compete every single day. Um, and we had talent. I mean, we had five, five division one guys, um, my senior year, but you know, I think it, it was something that we, we built on each other. Like, I don't think we, any of us would be as good if we didn't push each other every single day. Right, uh, right. And I think that comes with trust, friendship, um, you know, and then, you know, a willingness to want to win. So, um, yeah, my high school crew is great, man. We uh, lost in the state championship my junior year uh, to Mount Vernon. No, 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 to uh, Henninger, which had uh, Andre Blotch, who played for the Nets. Right. Um, Jerese Crouch, which was, you know, a really good guard. Um, you know, these were guys I played AU with and stuff. And then, you know, our senior year, you know, we were good. We were we were actually really good. Um, I was about to say, you only lost one game. Yeah. We started number 23 in the country. And um, we, you know, we played in Beach Ball Classic. We played in the mm -hmm. Erie McDonald's. And it was kind of like, our, our, I mean, we walked in there, man, and, and I'm six foot. I'm not, I mean, you could, well, you would think I was a soccer player if you ever saw me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, man, we, play, we were playing in uh, beach ball. We played White Station, which had just won the state championship in Tennessee. Right. And, you know, they were, you know, supposed to win this tournament, and we beat them. Yeah, and then we ended up playing Bishop O'Connell from D.C., who had just won the D.C. you know private league, which is probably the best league in the country right. for high school. Right, and they brought everybody back, so we were like, man, well, let's see what we're made of, and we popped them, and that's kind of when we were like, yo, we're actually really good. Right, um, and then you know, and then we just we. I think we beat six ranked teams, Bryce High School, and um, we were just on a mission, man. And, and then we won the state, and then the only loss we had was against Sebastian Telefair. Um, so our big guy got hurt in the state championship, and we had to play without him in the federations. Mm. And we ended up losing to uh, Bassey and them by like five or six. Um, and we beat them the year before. Okay. So I think if, you know, if he didn't get hurt, I think we would have, you know, he was a focal point, pick and pop four, which back then he didn't have. Right. Um, so in the ball screens, he was just, it was so tough, man. And he was so intelligent. But uh, yeah, and then, and then I, I, you know, I was blessed to have a scholarship to West Virginia and, uh, you know, and I can't complain about anything. Right, <laughs> you right. Know? No, for sure. And high school resume, like I said, speaks for itself. And then, you know, you, you go to West Virginia, but you had some other offers, you know, Hofstra, uh, Northern Illinois, Rhode Island. Uh, what made you pick to go to West Virginia? Uh, so the three schools that I was – I had three schools. So it was Rhodey, West Virginia, and Clemson. Those were my last three. Okay. Um, and I was leaning towards Rhodey because of Jim Barron at the time. Right. Um. And I love Jim Barron, man. He was just, he was my type of dude. And uh, and looking back, I probably should have done it. But, you know, I went to West Virginia and I just kind of, I fell in love with with the Big East. Um, and if you, if you grew up in New York, the Big East was it. 
Right. And, you know, back then it was Syracuse. You, I mean, it was, it was the conference right. of conferences. Right. And I was like, man, you know what? Like, I did this. I put all, all this work in, and, and I want to play against the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to play the Big East. I watched it growing up. And for me, that was always a goal. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to West Virginia, um, you know, and and it was more of a dream come true type thing. Um, you know, just coming from where I'm from, man, not a lot of people make it out right. uh, as far as athletics. And, uh, you know, for me, it was like, you know, the time I put in, and I was like, man, you know what? I want to go and, and play in this Big East. And, and and do that. So that's kind of why I decided to go there. <laughs> right. I, you know, I probably shouldn't have, um, you know, but at the time where I was from, like I didn't have a ton of guidance. Right. Um, you know, uh, my dad was a football guy. So, you know, it's different. Right. Um, you know, but again, man, I, you know, I'm healthy. I, I, I can't complain about anything. For sure. And, I mean, you had a pretty decent year, you know, as a freshman going to West Virginia. I mean, shoot, you averaged five points, you know, shot almost, you know, 37% from beyond the arc. And then, you know, you end up transferring to St. Bonaventure. Kind of kind of, talk about that because I think, you know, it's important for players or, you know, anybody to really hear, you know, your story yeah. kind of in a sense, especially with nowadays and times with, you know, the transfer portal being as crazy as it is. Um, kind of talk about, you know, what made you decide to leave and, you know, go to St. Bonaventure. Um, man, I mean, looking back, I, I shouldn't have left, but I, I think, um, you know, as a young kid, you think you're better than you are. Um, you know, I walked in there being the Mr. Basketball in New York State. So, you know, I thought I was better than I was. Um, you know, I started the first nine games or eight games. I can't remember what it was. I think it was the first eight games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was playing really well. I was averaging like 11 and, you know, three assists. Right. Um, a couple of big games against like Florida and Pitt. Yeah. Yep. Who were like juggernauts at that time and um you know and so you know i didn't understand you know why he wasn't gonna you know start me he he wanted a senior to start which at the time i didn't get right and i I think it was more just you know i was i thought i was better than i was man um and i think at that age you know you don't listen as much as you should Uh, you know, and then, you know, I mean, I'll never hide from it. I think, you know, I tell all my kids, man, I I lost focus as far as what was important in my life. Uh, you know, basketball was always the most important thing. And I think that was one of the issues. Um, you know, I didn't put God first back then. It was all basketball. So I lost kind of focus of what was important. Um, and I started, you know, hanging out late nights and, you know, girls and, you know, the, you know, extracurricular stuff became, you know, my focal point. And, you know, when you start doing that stuff, you kind of lose focus of, of everything. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. And, and, um, you know, I, and when I went to Bonnie's, it didn't change for the first, you know, couple of years either. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, and, and you know what? I think everybody's story is different, and, and some people, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, you don't have to tell you. I'm like, man, if it helps somebody, then it's worth it. Um, For sure. You know, and, and I think when I went to Bonnie's, it was, uh, you know, I grew up in Rochester, so it was about two two hours from me. Um, my mom really didn't get to see me play a whole lot um, because, you know, I had brothers and sisters. Um, and, you know, so it was it was somewhere I was like, look, my mom can drive and come watch me play. Um, you know, at the time, they were just coming out of uh, um, NCAA, you know, probation. Mm-hmm. So we were, I mean, we were in the pits. Um of the A-10, and I always like to challenge, so I was like, yo, let me try, and, um, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> it didn't right, go right. as well as I thought it was about to go, but, man, I love St. Bonaventure. Um, I love everything about the school, um, the community. Um, it's a basketball, if, if nobody knows, it's one of the best basketball atmospheres in the entire country as far as fan support, uh, I mean, it is, there's nothing like it, man. So, uh, it all worked out in the end, man. Shoot, man. That's what it's all about, man. End up coming around for you and, uh, and you ended up having a really good three years to finish out your career there. And then you end up, if I had to guess, you were getting ready to go pro. Um, and then you end up having yep. an injury that put you out a knee injury. Kind of talk about, man, that, that time for you, you know, what you were getting ready to do and, um, and like, you know, life after the injury. Yeah. So my senior year, I got a new coach who's still there right now. Uh, Mark Schmidt, who, you know, probably is one of the most respected coaches I would say in, in the basketball industry. For sure. Um, for sure. I mean, just, just a genius. Um, I mean, I, I can't, I can't express enough you know, how he changed my whole life, uh, my senior year. And, um, and I fell back in love with basketball. And so I was, man, I was working. I was, man, I felt great. Um, the A-10 season, you know, I think I averaged like 16, 17 in conference. I can't remember. Um, but I was back. Like, I felt like I was, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm not there there, but I'm close to where I was, you know, when I was in high school. Right. So I was, you know, like man like i'm ready and um you know i had a contract had a couple contracts um germany iceland um you know but i was i wanted to go to iceland i want to go to Reykjavik <laughs> because i i just wanted to see what the hell iceland was right right uh, and i was playing one-on-one in queens new york um because i would I, I moved to manhattan with my homeboy and I would get up at 5 a.m. and take an hour and a half train to Queens every morning. And I was playing one-on-one. You'll remember who it is. Uh, Talik Brown played at UConn. Yeah, yeah. And then I didn't protect the ball like I should. And he stripped me. And I landed on the ball, man. And my ankle snapped. My knee went out. Oh, man. Uh, and that was that was it, man. And I thought I went home. And I was like, look, it's. You know, when they checked it out, they were like, look, it's going to be like six months. You know, we just got to do a couple of things. I'm like, cool. Right. You know, like, obviously I can't play, but I'll be better. And then they went in and I had microfracture surgery. They had to repair one of my tendons. Mm. Uh, um, and back then it was just like, you can't, you know, I couldn't recover. 
right. you know, like I wanted to, and uh, I lost a step, so I went and coached at Bonnie's yeah. with Schmidt. Yeah. And uh, and I started working out the players, man, and I just was doing what I was doing. I didn't, bro. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was just doing what I used to do. Right. You know, ball handling. You know, I had a ton of ball handling stuff. You know, growing up, I, I could, I could do whatever with the rock. Um, so I would just do a lot of stuff, man, and try to come up with stuff. And then I would kind of like do drills off our offense. And guys started to get, you know, better. And they were like, yo, why don't you do this? And I'm like, I was, I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? They're like, just work people out. I was like, what? Is, like, what? Like, I, I don't, there isn't even a business for that. Right. And so I started researching it. You know, there were only a couple guys that really did it. Uh, Lucas at the time, Gannon Baker, uh, this dude Dorian Lee, and then um, what's his name? He's with uh, Charlotte now. Oh my gosh, he's one of my favorites too. Played at Hofstra. Good lord. Anyway, but no. Anyway, so I just you know I I left Bonnie's um, and kind of just started my own thing, man. And and uh, I was in Rochester. Um, and it's, you know, once you get back around your homeboys and stuff, right. you know, you kind of get back into that, like, right. you know, whatever. And so I made a quick move to Dallas, Texas. Um, you know, I did research on it. I knew that like my playing career was over. I knew I could go play and probably make some good money. Uh, but just for longevity and, and all that stuff, you know, I kind of hung them up. And then I moved down here, man, and uh, it was a struggle for about the first four months. And then, you know, I met Julius Randle, and yeah, and then that was that, right? As far as that goes, right? Nah, for <laughs> sure, <laughs> right? That speaks for itself, man. Um, and then, yeah. and you know, the crazy thing about it is a lot of people don't know about you is that you were in the coaching business for like a short stint, like yeah. a, a very short stint. So, um, but then, like you said, you ended up moving to Texas and you start getting kind of your basketball training deal going. So kind of talk about how you broke into that Dallas, you know, market and you know really how crazy and how, you know, talented that market has become today. Yeah. I mean, when I came out here, there was one other trainer out here. Um, and now I want to say there's probably, I think there's 7 million people out here. There's probably, 6.9 million trainers out here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's nuts now. But, no, man, you know what it was? I think, like, I've always had a passion. Um, even when I played, like, I just was a passionate player. Like, I just, I love basketball. Um, I'm passionate about it. So I think a lot of, like, the parents and the kids just, just felt off my passion. Right. And... and and then once that happened, I just became better through studying and, and understanding of, you know, basketball and the little nuances of it um, and, and what really makes, you know, players better. Right. And, and, you know, there's different levels of it. You know, you, you, you can't do the same thing with a fourth grader or even like a seventh, eighth grader that you're going to do with a, you know, six, seven year vet in right. the NBA. You know, these young kids throw the kitchen sink at them. These vets, you know, like a mm-hmm. CJ Miles, man, I'm, we're doing, we're pin downs, bro. 
this is how you're going to make millions and millions. Um, so it was a learning process through everything that I did. Um, you know, and then I just, I still like still to this day, man, I just love still working out and doing stuff and, um, playing ones and, um, you know, that competing in there, I, I still, I still do it even though I'm 36. Right. Um, and so I think like for my players, like when they see me play, they respect me more, you know, they're like, dang, right. okay. Like, like he's yeah, like that. Has. He's like that. Yeah. 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 Where a lot of trainers now, like, you know, they could do it, but when it, when the smoke comes, like, they're like, you, you don't see it. Right. Um, Yep. You know, and I just, you know, I, so I like playing with my guys. I like, like, I'll play all my high major guys before they go. And that's kind of how my barometer is. And I'm like, dang, you're ready or you're not. Right. You know, like, I remember the first time playing Julius Randle, I was like, yo, like, he's, he's a top five pick. Like, I can't do anything with this dude as far as anything. Like, even on my... And I don't have a problem getting my shot off. Like, I couldn't get my shot off. I'm like, oh, he's different. Um, you know? Right. And so I just like, I like doing that stuff, man. And, and uh, you know, again, man, we're just, I'm just blessed to, to do what I do every day. I, I can't complain about anything. Yeah. No, for sure. And I remember the first, you know, experience getting to see you um, really do any of your training was I had just transferred to South Isle. And obviously, you know, Barrington, that's my boy too. You know, he, that's yes, that's family for you. You know, that's family for me. And, and uh, he was watching a video or, or he, matter of fact, I think he was actually just telling me about you and how y'all trained back in, in Dallas. And I, I looked at a video um, that's still on YouTube today. And you posted it on my birthday eight years ago from April 29th. And it was a video of you training with B and I can't think of the girl's name. Mackenzie Adams. And, yep. and you know, she she is like, <laughs> if anybody that, that doesn't know about her, man, go back and look. Oh, no, no, no. You're talking about Naya Green. You're talking about Naya Green. That's who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Long. Uh, yeah, she's a. Uh, where where she, she, she where's she at now? Louisville this year. Okay. She was a McDonald's All-American and a red shirt at Louisville. But as a young kid, yo, she was dumb <laughs> yes yo. yes and i saw that Different. video i was like yo i'm like what what do yeah. what they got going on down there in dallas yeah yeah so yeah. so that that was kind of my first you know exposure to you know yo training i was like yo this dude yo he he's got it and you know obviously watching barrington every single day in practice you know going to the wreck and hooping with him after practice uh, you know, I you know I got you know exposed to the type of stuff that you you know put into him as well. Yeah. So yeah. man, kind of. No, it was fun. Bro. Yeah. So kind of kind of talk about you know like you said, man, your relationships with your clients, which you know is almost you know in a sense like extended family for you. Um, especially for you know the guys like Barrington Stevens, Julius Randall. Um, you know, obviously Isaiah Stevens, who was, you know, freshman of the year this year, uh, over there at Colorado state, you know, kind of talk about, you know, that family, you know, environment that you built through, you know, your basketball trainer. Uh, man, I, I think that all comes from like, from where I grew up. Right. I think my dad, 
was such an influencer to people, the youth in my communities that I grew up in. Right. Um, and I saw the effect that he had on, on kids from, from all over that city. Um, you know, I still get dudes hit me up like, yo, your pops changed my life. Um, so I think for me, realizing how much basketball can be, a, you know, an avenue for these kids right. um, growing up and how a certain person can influence their lives um, really took the forefront. You know, so I, I, I try to, one, I try to, to keep good people around um, my program. Um, and that, that includes the players too. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's knuckleheads that, that don't work out with me anymore. Um, and some of them are really good players. And, and, um, you know, my reputation is is all I have. That's, that's first and foremost. Um, you know, and then relationship wise, man, like, um, I I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy my players. I enjoy being part of their process. I take it to heart that they trust me, you know, with the game that they love, you know, and then, you know, I, you know, we develop relationships, you know, like, you know, Julius Randle is probably one of my best friends, um, you know, and, and, you know, I was in his wedding. Um, I mean, we hang out every day. I mean, you talk about just an elite human being, um, you know, he's it. Right. And, um, you know, and then Barrington, like, I think Barrington, you know, was a great example of, you know, a player, and he wanted to play, but the opportunities just weren't there for him. Um, you know, so he was coming around kind of, you know, um, you know, wanting to be a trainer, but also wanting to – you know, still play. Right. right? And, and right. I was that right. same kid and I was that same kid, right. you know, 12 years ago. And, um, you know, and I just told him, man, like, you've got to get the plan out of you. You know, if you want to play, play, right. you know, get that out. Um, you know, but he got some opportunities, you know, with stuff that we were doing. And I think, you know, he saw the avenues, you know, he could have, and, uh, you know, I just kind of like took him under my wing and, and, uh, you know, played the big brother role to him and kind of showed him the ropes. Um, you know, cause I didn't have anybody to show me the ropes of this business. Um, I didn't, I didn't have anybody to help me. You know, I, I got it where I'm at now. I got from the mud, um, you know, and I, and I wanted Barrington to not to have to go through, you know, some of the things that I did, um, you know, but I think it's just a family culture, man. We love each other. We laugh. We joke. Um, when it's time to work, it's time to work. But it's not like we work and and it's and it's out. We sit there. We joke. We talk. Um, you know, I, I ask my kids questions. Um, you know, I mean, I got two god kids out of this, <laughs> out of yeah. doing this. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just. Man, I try to I try to be an influencer in their life, man, and 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 you know I open up to my kids. I don't I don't leave stuff out, right? Um, and I think that's what they respect. You know, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of grown ups, they try to sugarcoat how they grew up, 
mm-hmm. or what they did wrong. And I just don't, you know, you can't respect that because then these kids think that what they're going through, they can't talk to you about. Um, and so I just try to, I just try to tell them everything that I went through, whether it's, you know, from, you know, being out too late to, to, you know, to drugs, to alcohol, to anything that I did, um, in my life and just, you know, keep rocking, keep pushing, bro. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Like, but it's okay. You know, what's not okay is to get better from them. Um, you know, and, and so that, that's the whole thing, man. And, And I think that's a lot of times why my kids, you know, are drawn to me and respect me. Yeah. No, for sure. And like you said, you know, being open and transparent with them, you know, that, that allows them to feel like they can come to you about anything. Um, and y'all can, you know, have them conversations, you know, about life off the court. And, you know, I mean, it's paid dividends to, you know, like you said, your relationship with Julius, you know, shoot, you know, you got two guy kids, your best friend, been to weddings. That's the type of stuff that goes, you know, longer than basketball at the end of the day. So, yeah, man. So let's kind of talk about, you know, obviously when you first start, you know, your training platform, you were just Tyler Ruff basketball elite, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yep. And then you um end up changing the brand name. Or do you still have it as Tyler Rupp? But I I know now you kinda go by driven and you got that one, you know, that replaces the I in, in the driven. So kinda yeah. talk about your brand and like, you know, changing it from, you know, your name to, to switching it to driven. Yeah, so driven was so I have a business in China too. Um so driven was something that that I came up with for China, um, or me and me and this other guy came up with, and then he's taken it in the U.S. and I've kind of taken it in China, um, you know. But driven was just kind of like, you know, what I wanted all all the players to come through the program to be is driven, um, right? You know, and, and I think D one at the time it was. You know that's the that's the aspiration, right? Right. Um, like if if that's not your goal, and it doesn't have to be every kid's goal. You know what I mean? Like some of these kids that come through, like they don't want to play college basketball. Right. Then that's perfectly fine. But yo, if you want to get to it and you want to play, you know, I don't want you. I don't want you to want to play D three. I want you to want to play D one. Um, and then you know those opportunities come where, look it's a better opportunity to play D2 or D3, like do it, but you got to shoot for the stars. Um, and that's kind of where the D1 came in. And, you know, we still do that over in, in China, obviously, you know, with this whole pandemic and thing, you know, China, China's been put on hold right now, right. but, um, um, yeah, that's where that whole driven thing came from. And, and, um, you know, and then now I'm, you know, here I'm, I'm you know, Tyler of basketball and we just, we kind of do our thing, you know, out here in, in this area yeah and shoot i mean like you said like you've got you know your deal out there in china and you know you obviously from the jump from starting back in basically what was it 2010 when you kind of started the whole training deal to you know now you know it's expanded you know to where you travel mm-hmm. across the country and you know you host some clinics and you know, all sorts of things, you know, of that nature. So, man, like how vital has it been, you know, even for your growth and, and even for the brand to be able to experience, you know, other cultures? 
Man, I, th- I think like I think that's the coolest thing that I get to do, and I don't think money, any type of money, can take away or can provide some of the experiences that I've had. Um, you know, I, like you said, man, I've been to China. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Korea, Japan. Um, you know, <laughs> I've been in like man, North Dakota in like some small town that I would never go to if it wasn't for basketball. <laughs> never even heard I, about I mean, it was nuts. I'm, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> um, but it, it made me realize, one, how fortunate I am and how spoiled we are in the U.S., for sure. Right. Um, and, you know, China was, bro, the way these kids live, it's nuts. Like, it, it's insane how some of these kids live. Um, you know, I, I remember one of my college teammates, Ahmad Smith, he came to China with me because I try to, you know, I, I'm, I got my homeboys and man, I'm, I'm trying to give to them as much as I can. And, and so I try to take, you know, my boys with me sometimes. Um, so he came out to China with me and he's from DC and bro, we went to this and he was like, yo, this is worse than any place I've ever seen in my life. And I think it just opens eyes to to people that it's like, whoa, how much is out here? How much, how fortunate, like, if I have a bad day or, or whatever, man, I just kind of think about, you know, I think a lot about China or, or just people that don't have the blessings that I have. Right. And, you know, I think that's kind of what the culture of, of being able to do what I do has, has brought me is just an awareness of, of how fortunate, you know, I am to be in the position I am. Right. And like you said, man, with, with, you know, China and just experiencing, you know, how, how less fortunate they are over there, how they just ain't got it. Like we got it. Is that, you know, I always say, man, every day is a good day. Some are just better than others. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, so nah, man, that's big time, man. And, you know, I don't want to hold you up for too much longer, man, but I did want to ask you, I think it's important, you know, I think some coaches need to actually hear it from, you know, a skills trainer's perspective. You know, you always hear about players coming back home or, you know, and they're saying, you know, they feel like they ain't getting better when they're off at school in, you know, workouts or individuals, you know, whatever it may be, but they feel like their their game is stagnant. It's not elevating. Um, yeah. What, what advice do you have for coaches that you know have these systems of workouts that they that they put in you know that are tedious in a sense and that's not necessarily helping them be you know in the position to you know play at the next level um what kind of advice can you give coaches to or how i should say how vital is it for coaches to have a system in solid player development system into their program especially when guys go away from home with trainers such as yourself yeah i mean i I think it's very vital i think that the thing that I, you know, I see a lot is, and it's, and it's not all coaches, um, right. but it's, it's, you know, these guys come in and a lot of these kids are 17 and 18 years old. They haven't even fully developed yet as basketball players. Right. And, you know, it's like, all right, he's that, he's this, he can't do that. He's this. And mm-hmm. I just think that for me, I hate that. Right. right? Like, I want, what are we not good at? Okay, like, let's work. Let's figure out a way to be good at that. You know, can you not shoot the three? Like, you know, is your handle kind of, you know, messy? Um, 
you know, what are the things, you know, do you have good footwork? Um, and a lot of these uh, coaches, like if I'm watching, like they, there's, they go through workouts, but there's very little attention to detail um, mm-hmm. within footwork or like little small things. Like, like I'm a big advocate of like pickup timing and, and having like little like minute details within your workouts. And I think that's get, that gets missed by a, like 95% of college coaches. Um, I think that a lot of college coaches have started to do a better job because they have, you know, people on social media that we do this for a living and they can kind of just take and pick things that we do and kind of implement them into what they do. Right. Um, you know, I have a lot of college coaches that hit me up. Um, you know, but I, I think the biggest thing is what I would like to see with coaches is have 30 minutes of practice every day. And it's like, it's your time. Like, what do you want to work on? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's what I ask the college kids. Like, what do you need? You know, because they know their game more than anybody else. Right. They know it's going to help them more than anybody else. Um, and they know it's going to increase their confidence. So, you know, I, I would love to see coaches be like, look, this is your 30 minutes. You do what you want with it every single day. And I think it empowers the players. Um to, to get better, but also gives them, you know, the mentality that my coach wants me to, to be better, you know, and, right, right, you know, to coaches, to a lot of college coaches, defense, like, you know, you got to get in the gym and work on it. And some kids don't get in the gym and work, right? you know, and, and if, if you get in the gym consistently and work on something, man, you'll get better at it. So I think it's, a lot to do with, you know, the coaches, I think they need to give them more freedom. Um, but hey, man, like as a player, you got to show me you can do it in a game. Yeah. Because shit, I'm trying to win. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and that's the name. We all know what it is in college basketball. If you don't win, you get fired. Exactly. So um, they're going to do what they can to win, man. But yeah, I would like to see, you know, more maybe like, you know, call it like, you know, your time or something like that, um, where, you know, coaches a lot of these players to grind right right and that's and that's one thing you know i i, I like about for example cody topper at memphis Love him. I, you know i i think they do a phenomenal job with their player development i know i'm implementing it this year in our program the daily vitamins deal um you know i think that's important you know and, and player yeah. development is obviously one of those deals nowadays where if you don't have a solid player development you know foundation in your program you probably ain't gonna win too many games um so no nah, man i think that's, yeah. that's i think that's big time you know what you got going on and i know i pay attention to a whole lot of your stuff i mean i've written down a whole lot of your stuff and uh to to put into the package for sure so so um last thing man I, well Shoot, let me ask you this. During so during this quarantine, obviously with COVID and everything, it's kind of put a, a halt on like how you usually move in the sense or how you usually like your schedule kinda is. I know you're doing a lot of through your uh hoop dynamic site and um um and even with uh, your training, you're doing a lot of Zoom trainings virtually. How how has that been mm-hmm. for you? Ah uh, you know, I I I think that growing up where I did and, and having to train by myself every day helped me in this time. Like I have so much stuff that like I could do 
in my living room that I could show kids. Right. Um, you know, so I kind of just flipped the script and was like, look, let me, we're going to spend 30 to 40 minutes getting better with ball handling and footwork. And, and I think a lot of players before didn't think you could get better. Right. Like with a little bit of space. And, and now that stuff is opening, like I'm seeing some of my kids coming back and they're popping the ball different. Like their feet are different. Like, you know, I had a couple kids playing tournaments and they're like, bro, I barely shot, but like I played better than I ever played in my life. Right. Um, and a lot of that is just confidence, man. And, and uh, so I've done tons of Zooms. Um, I do Zooms with French people. I've done Zooms with uh, kids in Israel. And, and so I've just kind of, you know, done that. And then, you know, I, I think, um, you know, for me, it, it's just, you know, continuing to figure out ways to, to grow the business. Um, yeah. You know, so, so I kind of, you know, I didn't sit there and say, oh, man, I was like, all right, how am I going to make this work? Right. Um, and that's just kind of how my mentality is. And then last thing, um, you know, I've noticed you've been on some of the, the Zooms that, you know, I've been on. You know, I know you was on the yeah. Ryan Price deal. And then, you know, a big one that you were on just because of everything that's going on in the country. You know, obviously all the systemic racism and, you know, social injustices. You were on the panel with Brian Burton um, and a, a lot of those other guys called Time for Change. You've also changed your logo with the fist. Um Mm -hmm. in it so kind of talk about like your stance with what's going on and and what you know what was the the motive or your vision for uh you know joining these panels to you know to help with you know obviously what we're going through in this country with the racism and and you know just looking for the equality for everybody yeah i mean i think the first thing is the shame that we have even have to do this shit to be honest that's i mean this is and I had this conversation with my, my boy last night. It's like, I, I'm just sick of the fact that we even have to have this conversation, man. Like, this is a, it's a joke that as a country, like, why is this even a conversation? Like, this should be easy. Um, but I think, man, I, <laughs> you know, I, I have, <laughs> if, if I get married, and you were to look at all, and this is the way I put it, and you were to look at all my groomsmen, right? Right. 90% wouldn't look like me. Right. And, and for me, as a, as a white male, and a privileged white male, um, it, it, this time, I think, it was like, you know what, like, we need to, as, as white people, we need to, we need to be on the forefront as much as anybody else. Right. Because, because we need to speak out. Like this is what's going on in this country isn't right. And, you know, I'm blessed to have a, a, a huge platform, um, where kids follow and, and other people follow. And, you know, I don't know if I have racists on my platform or not. I, I don't know. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm a family guy. And just like we were talking before, like Barrington's part of my family. Julius is part of my family. You know, I got, it goes down the list. Um, and so I'm going to stick up and I'm going to fight for what's right. And what's right is, is equality, man. Like, yeah. and it's not hard. And that's the part that I'm struggling with <laughs> right. every day. Like, I don't understand why this is so hard. 
for people to grasp. Like, why is this even a thing? Like, I, you know, I was talking to my, my boy last night. I said, look, I got two eyes. You got two eyes. You got two ears. I got two ears. You got a mouth. I got a mouth. All right. Right? I got legs. You got legs. Like, what the fuck is the difference? For sure. For sure. And, and so, man, it's, it's really, bro, it's been time, man. I mean, I've gotten emotional with my boys. I mean, I've even gotten emotional on some of the platforms I've been on just because, like, I just don't get it. Um, you know, but, but it's something that needs to be said and needs to be spoken about. And so like, you know, I changed my, my logo to unity just cause you know, when I'm going to get a gym and, and you better believe if, when, if I get this gym, like there's going to be black lives matter in that gym. Right. So you don't like that shit. You don't have to be in my gym. Right. You know what I mean? Cause there's a purpose behind this. And if people don't see it, or people haven't spoken out about it, you know, I really, I struggle with them, man. Like, cause I think everybody right now, we all have voices. So if you're yeah. not in the positive, um, you know, keep it moving. And I think, you know, the other thing is I made a post the other day, like if you are a true Christian and you really walk mm-hmm. in the Lord's path and, and you really, and we all make mistakes, don't get me wrong. Right. Right. But to me, racism is like, if you're a Christian, how, how can you say you're, or how, if you're a racist, how can you say you're a Christian? Like, right. it just doesn't work. Nah, not at all. And it just doesn't, man. And, and, and you know, people are like, oh, people make mistakes. Like, bro, well, it ain't a mistake. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, and then I think the last thing is, is, is white people opening up and wanting to have conversations with, with, with black men and women. Um, you know, I saw true holidays wife make a post about, you know, I think one of her friends said something like, you're the whitest black guy I know or something. <laughs> and, and she said like, why? Cause it was, he, cause he's super intelligent. Cause you know, all this stuff. And I think, you know, growing up like where i grew up and a lot of the i i was blessed to to grow up because my dad took me to the boys and girls club the hoop i love the hoop right and so i was i knew right from the jump you know everything but a lot of the guys i grew up with that didn't play basketball were in my white neighborhood like what they saw was boys in the hood they saw menace to society they saw all these and they were like you know what i'm saying and so they had right. this notion of like oh that's that's what this is. And I'm like, bro, you have no idea. Right. Like right. some of this, like it, it, so for me, it's, it's, it's educational for the people. And I, I'll always say, I'm like, it's educational for the people that don't. And I hate to say the word, you don't have any black friends. Cause that, if you have black friends, you could still be racist. For sure. Um, and if you don't have any black friends, you, it doesn't mean you're not racist, or it doesn't mean you are racist. Right. Right. Like, so I hate saying that, but I think for me it's the conversation. So I just, you know, with with a lot of the white friends I had, I'm like, yo, you need to like, even if it's a stranger on the street, man, have a conversation, and you'll realize how like there's no difference in any of us. No, nah, not at and, all. Like, and you need to, and we need to keep pushing, and 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 that's for everybody. And you know, I'm just not gonna stop, man. And um, you know, I hold it dear to my heart to to yeah. change, and yeah, um, you know, I'm here for all that. Nah, for sure, for sure, man. 
And that's what it's all about, man, using our platform, especially during this time, like to bring shed light on what's going on. Like you said about your your post uh, the other day about, you know, you can't call yourself Christian, especially if, you know, you you're an advocate for what's going on. And I know I made a post a while back. Um, it may have been back in May at some point, And I just posted it was a Bible verse. It was first John chapter four, verse 20 is, you know, um, it says, whoever claims to love the Lord and hates a brother or sister is a liar for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. Um, and I think that, you know, that's just so powerful, man, because you can't yeah. go around here sitting, talking about, you know, you love God, you, you know, you're a Christian, this, that, and the third, yet, you know, you're sitting back in you're okay with what's going on in our country and it's just upsetting and it's, and it hurts, you know, to see that we, we got to do this in 2020. Um, you know, I'm getting a little shaking, shaking up now talking about it, man. But, but, you know, it's guys like you, it's guys like me and, you know, coaches, you know, people with platforms. I mean, everybody needs to, like you said, man, come together and, and, and fight this because this is obviously not right. But, but man, I don't I don't want to hold you up, man. Man, I appreciate you taking the time out to come on the show. Man, I appreciate no you, uh, man. What you got going on over there, and you know, man, I'm I'm glad we was just able to connect, you know, through you know a simple relationship that you know me and Barrington got, you know, and and you know shoot, we've been talking I think every other week, you know, whether it's text or you know whatever the case may be, man. So I appreciate you. No doubt, man. No doubt. It's all love, man. I appreciate you having me on. And as you know, anything I could do, I'm here. Most definitely. Yeah. No doubt, bro. I'll holler at you. All right, man. All right, bro. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Beyond the Hardwood. Quick reminder to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And until next time, remember, life goes beyond the hardwood. <laughs>